2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today, I'm delighted to talk to Sheikh Dawood Walid. You're most welcome, sir.
1: Oh, Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being with you.
2: It's great to see you. Um, In the West today, uh, the roles of men and women are subject to a great deal of dispute. Secular liberalism has removed previously accepted traditional roles and obligations. Liberal feminism has arguably created a hollow version of equality that has on the whole, many say, harmed women and men. And especially online, there has been a backlash with a crude assertion of masculinity that many critics say shows loathing of women and removes any of their rights. But before we discuss this, I'd like, just like to introduce Imam Daoud, Um, who has recently published a serious contribution to the subject of manhood. He argues, I think, that the rich classical scholarly works detailing how to bring up young men have been lost. This sacred idea of chivalry uh, may look out of place in today's world, but it produced well-balanced young men that combined courage with humility, strength with forgiveness, and public duty with prayer. Imam Daud believes that Islamic masculinity is perhaps not naturally acquired, but has to come from revelation and reinforced by models of manhood within families and communities. Now, he's recently authored a brilliant book entitled Fatua and Raising Males into Sacred Manhood as a timely contribution to the topic. And I'll link to it in the description uh, below because it is published now and it's available to read. uh, You can purchase it for yourself. Um, Imam Daud uh, is currently the executive director of the Michigan chapter of the Council on American Islamic Relations. He's on the Imam's Council of Michigan, and he is a senior fellow at the Auburn Seminary based in New York. It's a prestigious Seminary, actually. Uh, Walid has uh, studied under qualified scholars uh, the disciplines of Arabic grammar and morphology, foundations of Islamic jurisprudence, and sciences of the exegesis of the Quran. And he previously served as an imam at Masjid Wali Muhammad in Detroit and the Bosnian American Islamic Center in Michigan. And he's the author of books uh, Fua. sorry, I probably mispronounced it Furua. Uh, and Raising Males into Sacred Manhood, Blackness and Islam. I notice at the back uh, behind you, sir, is a a picture of the cover there. And Towards Sacred Activism, as well as co-author of books entitled Centering Black Narrative, colon, Black Muslim Nobles Among the Early Pious Muslims, and Centering Black Narrative, Athalbeit, Blackness and Africa. He's also the author of essays in the 2021 book, All American, 45 American Men on Being Muslim, as well as the 2014 book, Quran in Conversation, and the author of the foreword to the 2022 book, The Spirits of Black Folk, Sages Through the Ages. So you've been incredibly busy, incredibly productive, alhamdulillah, um, and as I say, you're most welcome on blogging theology today. So. Um, I've given a very simple uh, and brief introduction to your your work. Could you perhaps uh, take us forward and share us uh, particularly your, your most recent work and, and what that might be about?
1: Bismillah well, rahim rahim alhamdulillah. Wa salallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa First of all, let me say, uh, Brother Paul, it's been um, a pleasure watching your many episodes with a number of scholars and intellectuals from our community that have discussed a number of timely topics, including uh, this topic, or at least shades of this topic, as it relates to uh, the spread of progressivism or liberalism in the postmodern age, as they call it, in which things that used to be traditional in society, as it relates to uh, gender, uh, sexuality, and uh, mm. have honor through sacred mm-hmm. morality uh, is being currently deconstructed in, in very um, robust and aggressive ways in Western mm-hmm. societies from UK and America as well as other locations. So I, I thank mm-hmm. you for that and the, the many discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to uh, the book that I wrote, uh, Futua, and Raising Males from the Sacred Manhood, uh, is based upon uh, problems that I observed that uh, other uh, du'at, or we could say preachers, scholars have observed, as well as even single mothers in the Muslim community sir, uh, saw, uh, that we saw and that the single mothers saw, is that there needs to be some sort of reshifting of how we raise males and to be honorable men in our
0: society. And this is not and if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
1: Single item at regular price.
0: Ba da ba A Muslim concern.
1: There have been people who aren't Muslim that have written about this phenomenon, yeah. uh, going back over a decade. Uh, there's the uh, there's a book called uh, Coddling of the American Mind that talks about it in general from both genders and the problem of delayed adolescence. Uh, Dr. Sex wrote the book, Boys Adrift, and there's been several other books that have come out in between this time and effort, this time they've talked about the issue. Uh, for us, as Muslims, uh, we aren't a people that are, that are supposed to just simply complain about things. You know, we look at uh, problems, we look at the facts on the ground or the fickle uh, wakia, and we look at our tradition, uh, and alhamdulillah, most of the heavy work on the macro level has been done by our pious predecessors and our noble scholars and the saintly men and saintly women that have preceded us uh, from the Hijaz going into Persia, into mm. West Africa and various places, have been written about uh, these issues and have given us historical models and even institutions that we can uh, that we can look at. Uh, in which uh, beautiful things were produced uh, for not only Muslims but also uh, I would even argue for uh, non-Muslim lands in which the West, in particular, uh, received a lot of benefit from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 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 issue of restoring uh, sacred manhood has a number of issues that need uh, addressing. Uh, I always believe that the first problem starts with inside of ourselves, and then there's also outward issues that are at play that also influence, just like we have the issue of oppression, right? There is the thom, the thumb of the oppression and wrongdoing we do to ourselves. any the prayer of Moses, my uh, cherished and sustaining Lord. Uh, surely I have oppressed my own soul, so please forgive me. And then there is the oppression that others and outsiders do, such as the vroom that Pharaoh did to the children of Israel, that the Pharaoh did, right? So there's, there's, there's always inward aspects as well as outward aspects. But mm-hmm. For us as, as, as Muslims, and especially Muslims are in the West, in which uh, Muslims have come from a hodgepodge of many different places with different understandings. Uh, as well as convert community, there has been somewhat of a crisis of authority within Muslim communities. And actually, how should Islam uh, be presented and how it should be taught in our centers and our misadget? But even still or more so, where is the model to point at institutionally of raising up young males and the sacred manhood in societies? that in many times not only profane but even have animosity mm. to sacred values and sacred uh, morality right, right. that's part that's been part of our failing and then also uh if we look at the prophetic hadith, منهم, that many muslims in our inferiority complexes have sought to imitate other people outside of our tradition and we have taken on the ways and sensibilities—not just the dress. Dress is superficial, but the ways and sensibilities of of other people, where we began to embrace the nuclear family model, mm. in which traditionally in Islamic societies is the extended family. It's not mm. just man, woman, and child. Mm. It takes a village to have a to raise a boy into being an honorable man. Oh, such an important point. we're making there? Yeah. Yeah. So you know. <laughs> We we have we have the the nuclear family concept in which now even nuclear family is is being broken down at least in America. Uh, we're we're approaching half of children in America are born from uh, relationships out of wedlock. Being born from zina, this is a catastrophe mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for the society. And even us Muslims, even some Muslims now are having children from zina. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a phenomenon uh, here uh, that's that's starting to take place in, in the United States of America. I'm not sure about the UK. Um, so these are these are issues uh, internally, but then we have externally, what our children are being exposed to and how they are being taught mm. in public schools. First, starting off with, you have young males of all backgrounds, including Muslims who predominantly go to publicly funded schools. And for six or seven hours, In their formative years they may have zero teachers that are men they are exposed nothing but females and women and and we are creatures of imitation so if if the rearing and the education of young males is coming from nothing but women then how can they actually learn to function or model honorable masculine behavior because no matter how hard women try a woman can never be a man even though she can have her own virtue and have her own honor and her own respect but it's yeah. important for young males to see actual upright men
2: it's interesting just to uh just to pause on that very good point uh in england certainly at primary school level uh <clears throat> it's overwhelmingly uh female teachers and it's interesting this drive towards equality in the professions you know um this never seems to be a particular problem for most Uh, Official officials, they don't say, "Ah, well, we need to have more men in the teaching professions." That doesn't seem to get mentioned for some reason. But in other things, like I don't know, engineers or whatever, oh, we must have, or astronauts, we must have more women. When it comes to actually being teachers, uh, they don't really care if it's overwhelmingly female. So this is kind of an odd uh, blind spot, anyway.
1: Was fought is fought equality before I go to my next point because you don't see women being down the doors to be trash collectors, exactly. to be construction workers going on top of buildings and yeah. operating cranes and risking their lives or being boiler operators uh, or in blue collar jobs, right? So it's 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 not seeking real parity and real equality throughout throughout all of society. it's is fought is fought equality. Uh, really i mean if 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 radical feminists were to be honest, they don't want to do the real grunt work and the real dangerous things that that men have always done historically to build up society now <clears throat> the other point that we'd like to or I like to touch on that has been uh, uh outside detrimental besides just the sheer lack of modeling of manhood of young males and uh, and this is even more problematic when we have issues of uh not having community life and the growing phenomenon of the single parent household when young men are being raised by their mothers mm-hmm. but it's an exasperated or as amplified in public schools in the curriculum and then it even gets worse going into uh university when people are told that gender is not a divine construct it's man-made oh and you can change your gender if you want oh so so then there's a stripping of value so what it even means to be a man has been eroded of having any real objective truth it is subjective It's based upon feelings you can even call someone a them or they and the and the lgbtq movement has gone to the point of trying to erase gender altogether right um we, yeah. we had
2: some awards here recently. I forget what it's for. Was it movies or um, uh, music? Uh, and it was the first, uh, the gender-free awards. So in other words, they didn't recognize. I, I, and this was lauded by the BBC and all the usual uh, media as a positive step forward. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, whatever next.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and And now we've even seen the phenomenon of people saying that they're a trans wolf. Or trans feline, like they're not even fully human. They feel they they feel like they 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 identify with a wolf or with a cat. And so, when we have young people growing up in a society like this, and being uh, in academia, mm-hmm. and being exposed to this through pop culture or in the social sciences, mm-hmm. um, then we see that this further confuses the issue of like what role should men actually have when the issue has been is continuing to being skewed so much and confused mm. about what it even means. I mean, forget about virtues, even from physiology, what it even means to to, to be a man starting even from a from, from a real basic uh, uh, outward level. So uh, the this has caused the the uh, the crisis of 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 masculinity is adding on to the crisis of, of healthy and sacred masculine, masculinity in our communities. Gosh,
2: no, I, I'm, I'm absolutely right. I mean, it's one of the one of the definitions of postmodernism as such is the idea that human relations are social constructs, um, and and this idea of people being oppressed uh, and and victims. So you know, if I uh, you know, if I, if I, as a man, identify as a woman and I can't carry that through, I'm a victim and so on. Um, it's extraordinary. So it really is. The, it's the zeitgeist. It's more than just this particular issues. It's a it, you know, you find it in the academy, as you say, as well, the idea of the the plasticity of of human nature. And it doesn't have a, a divine imprint, uh, the blank slatism, And that goes back, I think, to John Locke, actually, uh, the English philosopher, uh, in the 16th uh, 17th century he was quite influenced uh, influential in America and the American constitution. the idea we are blank slates, and on that you can impress um, you, you, your your constructions but but this goes against many scientists would say it goes against science and it goes against DNA. obviously you know we have chromosomes and they dictate uh, who we are as genders and it's bio- rooted in biology but but to say these things is akin to heresy. It's like a religion where you you almost blaspheme when you say these things or when we say these things. Uh, and uh, as a blasphemer, you can, of course, be, um, you know, uh, the Inquisition can come along and cancel you or uh, prosecute you or whatever. So it has all the hallmarks for me anyway of, of a religion in the way that dissenters are of this zeitgeist are treated, actually. And it's a serious thing. Uh, you can lose your job. You can be prosecuted or, or worse or attacked. <clears throat> it's called horrible names like transphobe or homophobe or whatever um so it really is I mean, you talk about the, the position of young men that this, uh, this affects many or all of us uh, I- in life and not just muslims but as you say christians and traditional jews and others who who intuit there's something profoundly wrong going on here um, but feel unable to speak of it because of the pressures to conform uh, uh, to approve even when you know there's something wrong going on here anyway end of rant
1: no, I mean it's not. It's not a rant. It's it's uh, valid points, and it leads into this, that we as Muslims um, have to go back to our tradition. As I mentioned, I'm a I'm a man who believes firmly in the tradition, and uh, we we have to have a uh, an epistemology. We have a way of which we understand and we know. What is truth, or some would say is a soul, a part of the soul that we have creed. And we have a standard of knowing what objective truth is. Mm. And this is our basis of where we start uh, the conversation with inside of our community. And uh, when we talk, fish having, um, I was in uh, Northern Virginia, and I did um, an all-day session with uh males all male session uh intergenerational youngest around like 14 15 going up to the age about 50. and we uh discussed this issue first from the issue of 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 belief you know before talking about the certain uh virtues right so when we talk about manliness or or manhood that first going back is a divine construct and we have in the quran so to hujarat in the 13th ayah, uh, God says, Oh, humankind, should we create you from a single male and a single female? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have nest in that, so literally, God says that masculinity and femininity were divinely constructed by God. Literally,
2: so our, as our species comes in two forms it comes in male and female by design by intention by creation it's not a social construct it's objective rooted in reality and is irrefutable and unchanged and unchangeable uh, arguably as well because we can't just change it by our 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 thoughts our our surgeries it's fixed and immovable
1: it's immutable and it's incontrovertible as being a truth and then god also says that he created everything Jain in pairs and spouses which means there are opposites and this mm-hmm. is the masculine and the feminine. And so which means that God literally saying We create you with binaries. There's a masculine mm-hmm. binary and a feminine b- binary. And then he says, Another place, according, but there's nothing similar to God. So even though Hua is mentioned, but God is He, Allahu la illahu, there is no God but He. We don't attach uh Jism yeah. to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't say that Allah has male genitalia nor would be unbefitting to say he has female genitalia though it's mentioned in Hua as masculine we don't say that god is a man right um so going going back to this gender uh is a divine construct but beyond the physical part because you know we mentioned females have xx chromosome males mm-hmm. have xy female brains develop differently in an earlier age, there's such a thing called testosterone, there's a thing called estrogen. And there's a number of different hormonal differences between uh, men and women that then they they play themselves out, not only in brain development, but even in body structure as far as hips and, and mm-hmm. muscle density and bone density and things like this, right? This is just on an outward level. Mm-hmm. But we as Muslims, we believe in unseen realities. Mm. So, yeah. so behind every physical manifestation is a metaphysical reality. Mm. The Zahir and the batin. there is the outward and the inward. And mm. the Prophet wasallam said, Inna li For everything created, there's a deeper truth, there's a deeper reality. Ibn Allah Iskandari, one of the great uh, Sufis, he said, uh, in uh, uh, for every truth, there's a deeper metaphysical reality, a deeper mm-hmm. truth to that, right? So, we believe God made us differently. The sacred law or the Sharia has certain roles that are different for males and females, and the inward aspects of masculinity and femininity exist. And that these inward spiritual aspects, God gave us sacred law that mm-hmm. is in harmony with the inward aspects of the more Jalali inclinations of men, or those more majestic inclinations of men mm-hmm. and those Jamali characteristics that are more predominant in women of we could say spiritual beauty and compassion. Those things are like innately in mothers, for instance. Yeah. Those were given more to uh, women than men, though men also have some of those things, as women have some of those things. But the sacred law recognizes this and manifests these inward realities outwardly. Right. It's it's
2: I mean, although I agree with you, it, we can actually see a lot of this in the animal kingdom as well. It's not just a uniquely human uh, by dimorphism, duality, a binary. You see it in, as I the animal kingdom, in the you know the higher apes and and all sorts of uh, uh, species. You see a, a similar kind of pattern there. So you know they're clearly not products of uh, social construction and social needling. This is pure pure biology, uh, and you see similar kinds of behaviour although in, in in different forms uh reproduced out the animal kingdom too
1: yes so just wrapping up this this wrapping up this point so we believe that just as there is a physical reality to masculinity and femininity physical reality is a mm. metaphysical reality mm. there is an inward reality to these outward manifestations that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made and going back to al hujarat when he says, Shall we create you from a male and female and made you into different nations and tribes that you may get to know one another? Lovely and way. show the most honorable of you with God are mm-hmm. those with the most taqwa. And that So, mm-hmm. by implication, we're starting off male and female. So, we're not putting forth the proposition that men have more inherent dignity and honor than women. But nor would it be right to pathologize masculinity, as many mm-hmm. radical feminists have said. They say, "Oh, that being feminine or being women is somehow more morally superior or yeah. less evil than yeah. men." No, God doesn't say this. The most honorable of people with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is those with the most taqwa, and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala tells us in this uh, right, He made us differently to arifu. That we may recognize and see that there are actually differences that we're not exactly the same now in many times when people discuss this in quranic uh, exigence they only talk about the differences between ethnic groups Um, or racial but actually if we start off with the very beginning of the ayah from humankind then what comes males and females we're supposed to recognize that there are inward and outward differences between the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. Just as they are, there's differences in diversity between the Arab and the non-Arab and the white and mm-hmm. the black. But we don't say that Arabs are inherently better than non Arabs, nor as we would say that blacks are inherently better than whites, mm-hmm. which also some people who are involved in critical race theory put forth mm-hmm. this thing that white people are inherently racist and inherently have to divest from their fr- from their their white identity because you're 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 guilty by your white birth you know, mm. and, and and that's it's not pure it's racism,
2: racism. It's because yeah. you're, you're judging someone's worth and character purely based on their race which is racism and yet it's acceptable in, in those examples when it comes from a different school of thought
1: for some reason ex- ex- exactly exactly so likewise we recognize mm. that there are differences between the male and the female mm. and our job is not to try to erase those. Just like I wouldn't say, oh, we should be colorblind. No, God made us in different skin colors and languages. And these are signs. We don't erase these. We recognize them so that we can appreciate this beauty that Allah gave us in this diversity. Mm-hmm. But we don't seek to erase it, so I don't see color. I mean, that's, that's, that's silly. Likewise, it's silly to try to erase gender or to try to pathologize one particular gender, in which this is part of the problem. Masculinity in the West, amongst far leftists and progressives, and those who many times would uh, hold on to or, or are part of critical gender studies, have pathologized masculinity. They've made it inherently problematic. We as Muslims say this is un Islamic, this goes against the Quranic ethos. This, this goes against the authentic Sunnah, and it goes against what the saints and sages of our Deen have always talked about. And if a Muslim is preaching this, or writing about this, or doing political organizing around this, then they have deviated from the foundations of our noble faith. They've
2: deviated. Let me ask you, uh, Sheikh, uh, uh, on that. I was speaking to a uh, the other day to a prominent uh, Muslim. Uh, academic or intellectual, I, I, I won't mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him. I haven't I've got permission anyway to mention what I'm about to say that he told me. Um, I just got back. I just got back from California uh, last week, and he was saying um, we're just talking about the differences in Muslim activists and politicians in the United States and in the UK here. And he was saying in the US, and he, in, and you know he knows the scene pretty well there. Many uh, Muslim activists and politicians are, in his view, at the forefront of. LGBT trans activism uh, in the states and I thought what you know <laughs> um, I knew there were some but I didn't realize it was so common and so for what you're saying it looks if like there, there's there's considerable um, what's the word not capitulation well maybe it is capitulation um embracing of this latest zeitgeist by Muslim leaders themselves in in America um and this I was quite shocked by that just how how common it was in i think it's perhaps less so here in the uk maybe um i get the sense that most muslims in britain especially young muslims are quite robust in their mainstream sunni orthodoxy they haven't really gone over to militant secular liberalism although a few have but in america it seems to be a bit different is that impression accurate do you think
1: so i've traveled to the uk more than once and i will verify your your conclusion that um, muslims in america are much more liberal and much more secular in their sensibilities than muslims in the uk unfortunately and when we talk about this issue of uh embracing um critical gender studies types of framework and and the like which also relates into uh, Why I call Haruf? I call it the, the, it's the alphabet people because they've gone beyond just kamulut. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, al- the alphabets are so many; I don't even know them all anymore because uh, I, I,
2: I, lo- I lost count of the letters about a year ago. I just yeah.
1: don't know what what all of them are anymore. There's always new ones. Um, I just learned about pansexual not long ago, and so they have a P now. But um, unfortunately uh many of these muslims that you're talking about a lot of them haven't just simply capitulated in doing uh this sort of uh dawah for gender confusion uh because uh they're doing it because of political expediency right. a lot of them actually believe it which is even scarier
2: yeah it's even scarier. Uh,
1: and, and that's and that's part of the problem so i know some activists who have capitulated because it's what's popular in so-called progressive circles. And they get money and they get money and funding for it. But there are others who literally believe it. Like one Muslim in Congress, for right. instance, I think this person actually believes it. And this yeah. is one of the staunchest people in the American Congress supporting uh, 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 transgenderism, for instance, yeah. right? I think you're uh, referring to what we I mentioned her. Yeah, we without we mentioning this person's name. We have three Muslims in America in Congress, one man, and, and, and two women. So I'm not going to mention even the gender, but it's 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 quite um, it's quite astonishing, and and actually quite uh, horrifying, and it confuses mm. young Muslims further about their place in society and their own identities, including their own gender identities. When you have a prominent Muslim spreading gender confusion then no wonder we have so many uh young uh males and young females that are now confused about what is a traditional masculinity traditional femininity because they're they're heroes their role models themselves are spreading gender confusion Mm.
2: It's shocking. I mean, just just to clarify one second, you're speaking here about um, uh, young men and the crisis of masculinity and so on, but you're not addressing uh, women or, or you're young women, are you, in your work, I mean? Uh, what would be the reason for that?
1: All right, so my book does not address uh, young women uh, simply for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, based upon... Um I would say a reading of a particular hadith that has been vigorously authenticated, right and it's narrated by Imam uh, al-bukhari and Imam Muslim. And it says that at the end of times, there are certain signs that, that we will that we will see.
2: Hmm.
1: that knowledge will be lifted up and ignorance will proliferate. Mm. That there will become the spread of sexual immorality and the ingesting of intoxicants. Mm. Then it says there will be the decreasement in men and the increasement of women to the extent that there will be Hamsin mm. Imra, 50 women for every one particular type of man. Mm one upright, responsible, honorable, real man. So it's not saying 50 females for every male. No, it's not. That's not the proper reading No, talking about a particular type of man, not just males.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So it's something that from as prophesied in a vigorously authenticated hadith, that as we get closer to the end of time, that there's going to be more of a crisis of lack of real men, the mm. lack of crisis of women. This is just my reading of 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 the of, of the of the of the textual evidence. Mm. Um, the second thing is when I look anecdotally and my travels around the United States and Canada primarily, but even going to uh, uh, the UK and I see the issue of um, women beginning to outpace men educationally right when you go from not only high school graduations to like people who are going to university and actually Mm. getting degrees women are are beginning to outpace the men and 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 the gap is growing where men are seeming or young males are seeing unmotivated and they're not achieving like our like our women this is a problem when we go into many muslim student associations throughout the united states of america you see the gatherings or even for the classes for sacred knowledge you see them filled with women you see very few young men this is this is this is a crisis right. then it it goes on to the issue of marriage where so many young ladies who are practicing muslims are having such a difficult time finding a upright spiritual compatible man to marry. So this Mm. is all a crisis, right? And Mm. I have a 15 year old daughter. I worry about her future prospects. Mm. Also, Mm. conversely, I've told my two sons uh, who are older, 21, 18. I said, take your time and and let me help you and look for you, at least I told my older one. I can help find your wife. I said, but don't chase behind any of you sisters because the odds are greatly in your favor.
2: <laughs>
1: the odds are greatly in your favor. So you don't have to be like overly concerned or like trying to chase behind <laughs> any woman. No, because the odds are way in your favor. <laughs> there's 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 many more of them than there are of you. So don't don't sweat it. You don't have to be like get desperate about it, right? So <laughs> this is a reality of, uh, uh, at least in, in my perspective, I should say, it's my perspective about why I see the need more of addressing men in my book than women, but it's not to say that we don't need some organized work and uh, some addressing of, of of sacred femininity to, of course, I believe that we do. I, yeah. think, it's, I think it's become, I think it's just more of a, of a greater uh, problem. Uh, in the here and now than uh, for the, the men than for the women, in, in my opinion.
2: No, no, that, that just perfectly makes sense. Now, now, I find this very exciting when you talk about the sacred idea of chivalry or raising males into sacred manhood. I mean, th- th- this rings deep kind of sense of uh, a traditional uh, can, can you just expand more about what, the, you know, in, in your, your vision of sacred manhood, an, an idealist p- portrait perhaps, what, what, is it, what is a man, what should he be like? uh I- I- islamically what 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 kind of man are we looking at in, in terms of his qualities his, his status his honor uh his motivations his character his relationship with others how he treats others how he treats women how he treats the poor how he re- relates to god I-, I mean there's so many facets aren't there to this kind of uh, uh uh character so could you just indulge us and explain what you mean by
1: sacred manhood so starting off with that, that uh, men l- learn how to be real men from other real men. Mm. So, mm. And it says like steel sharpens steel. Mm. And um, this is something that is learned uh, through watching and imitation and through embodiment along with the rearing. And of course, we as Muslims believe that the perfect man was Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's a perfect man. And God mentions and praises the best of his creation several times in the Quran. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that his al fitra or his nature, was kept pure and intact. And we know that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam an example for the male and the female Mm. yet god raised up the best of his creation in the personage of a man so Mm. in his in his perfection there are certain aspects of the prophet's life women will not be able to manifest which means no matter how hard a woman tries she can never be a man Mm. she can never be a husband even if British or American law says that two women can get married and one plays the role of a husband or uh, she can't be a father, right? She just can't be a father. Even according to Sharia, she can't play the role of of wali or or Mahram even, right? Um, So these are just realities. Now there are different virtues Mm. um, within this. Um, Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyah, one of the tabi'een, he was one of the sons of Imam Ali, uh, may Allah be well pleased with him. He said that, uh, Islamic chivalry or sacred chivalry, it is summed up in, uh, the one who obeys the creator over the creation Mm. and has different implications. It first starts off with obeying one's own whims and one's own desires, Mm. one's own egos, right? Or not to, obey um, the social trends created by people over what has been divinely established, right? So there's several implications this. Imam Kosheri, he's one of the great Sufis who wrote in his uh, Risala, he has a chapter called el Fatua. And we studied this and read this to the young men, that he said, in essence, uh, Fatua or the sacred chivalry is following the way in its fullness, to seeking to follow the way in its fullest, the way or the path of prophet muhammad right this is the the, the fullness of this now however there are virtues within this fatua that many scholars wrote about uh kitab al fatwa by Sulaimi, and this has been translated to english i think it's called the the path of sufic chivalry or something i believe it's been translated um, that's been translated, uh, but there are several books that were written. Sheikh Abdul Gilani wrote a treatise on al-Futuwa, one of the great uh, Gnostics in the Islamic tradition. Hmm. Um, uh, Ibn Ammar uh, al-Hanbali, uh, he wrote a, a book, a Kitab al-Futuwa. Uh, Ibn Kaymo al who's one of the chief students of Ibn Taymiyyah, he has a chapter in his book, Madab Salikin talking about the different ranks and the different levels of spiritual wayfaring mm. and, and by the way i believe from my research ibn uh, al-Jawziya was a sufi right and there's a connection between the path of chivalry and Tisawa for sufism there's a, there's a there's a these are intertwined amongst each other um, which talks about different virtues or traits of character that get built up in a um in a young male they get taught didactically, and then they're also are modeled for mm. the young men. As uh, Ali was raised up by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because at a very young age, his father Abu Talib went into poverty. He sent him at a young age um, to live in the house with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as well as Khadija, and basically, Ali's tarbiyah came from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam before the Quran was revealed. He was with him from the very first of the revelation to his very last breath ali was there but he was raised up this mm-hmm. is why the, the the sufis say the people of fatua say that the inheritor of the way of islamic chivalry is imam ali is the spiritual inheritor of this path why because this is the prophet saw some didn't have sons that grew up to be mature and as muslims they all died young but ali was raised up like a son, and at an earlier age, even than Zayd and Haritha, the young men he helped raise mm. up. Um, of these virtues, uh, these virtues relates to, as you mentioned, firstly one's relationship and their heart with their Creator, mm. then with themselves, and then with the rest of the creation, with the people. And um, one of the uh, Sufi scholars. Uh, who wrote about this in Fatwa? and it's in its levels, he wrote about this, that the first step in this is truthfulness, mm. this is the first thing that one cannot be a real man or be a chivalrous man without being truthful, it's called asidq in Arabic. Mm. But this term has different implications and everything else on the path of chivalry and these virtues being a real man starts with truthfulness. And this comes from the authentic Hadith narrated by Imam Bukhari. This is, that says, you're obligated to be truthful. And that surely, truthfulness as Sidq guides one to one towards al-bir, which is a comprehensive word. It talks about noble traits of character. And these noble traits of character that make one pious then this leads one or guides one towards paradise. So mm-hmm. all noble traits of character, the foundation is truthfulness. Mm-hmm. This truthfulness starts with intention. It's synonymia. Yeah, yeah. And This is being truthful and, and being pure of one's intentions towards God. Then the truthfulness of one's intentions with people. It's mm-hmm. also linked to the objective of why we are doing what we are doing. Mm-hmm. So, It's the starting and the ending. It's the beginning and it is the objective or the maksid, is the truth and being pure in that, in our intentions. Then it is translating the truthfulness of speech, which also means verifying what we are saying to be truthful. Mm. That's the intention to speak the truth. We are silent unless we are able to verify that mm. we are speaking the truth. We don't go on just being haphazard and running our mouths or or are indulging um, unnecessarily in the speculative, yeah. Like real men don't run their mouths too much. Mm. They don't talk too much uh, about about things that are are vain or are unnecessary. Um, truthfulness in actions that that one's actions comply with the sacred law, but that one also keeps their trust mm. because uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq he mentions it uh asifqa amana means the truth is a trust you know the prophet ﷺ was known in the days of ignorance as a al-Amin. he always spoke the truth and he always kept his trust right when you're when you say you're going to be somewhere you'd be there and you strive to be there on time don't make your promise no such thing as muslim time which means being late or right. Arab time or African time, this is this is foolishness. Um, or you let someone borrow something, you give it back to them the time you say you're going to give it, and, and you strive to give it to them in the same shape that they gave it to you. Yes, if you give them the job, you fulfill that job uh, yes. with excellence. Right. Yes. This is part of this is part of this part of being truthful. And then mm-hmm. Sidq al-Azm is the son of Shaykh Gilani, Jilani uh, Hanbali, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Jilani al-Hanbali, uh, one of the great Sufis said is, is Sidq al-Azm, that we are truthful in our determination, mm-hmm. right? And this is part of what it means to be a man, that when we get resistance, we get pushback, we don't relinquish the truth. When things get difficult, we stay the path, right? Because the the pathway of truth is not supposed to be light. It's not supposed to be for the weak. Mm. People who stick to the truth are going to face resistance. Things are going to be difficult. But we hold on to the truth. And we are determined to stick to that truth, right, in words and in deeds. So this is the beginning part of what it means to be uh, the first of those virtues of being a chivalrous man. And if a man... Uh, cannot strive to be truthful, then the other noble traits of character are called maqalamu uh, akhlaq, according to the Prophet, there are going to be deficiencies in, in all other traits of character if one cannot be truthful. And this truthfulness starts one being truthful in themselves with God.
2: Mm. Okay, uh, that, that's a very, very um, beautiful uh, characterization of the virtues and attributes of uh, of sacred manhood. But I just want to come back to the comment I made right at the beginning, perhaps, um, uh, that uh, there has been a bit of a backlash, at least online, uh, with, uh, I think, some uh, crude assertions of masculinity, which are not really anything to do with what you're talking about. Uh, And many critics have said that this just shows loathing of women and and, and disrespect of their their rights and so on. Um, So, I mean, what do we we say to that? Because many Muslim youth are, are... follow these won't um, mentioned names of course these um, famous people online um, how should my question really is how, how would a man who is striving to live by the the, the way the Deen, the sacred man the, the path of sacred manhood how should he treat women I mean how, what is the relationship he should have with women should he treat them with contempt as mere objects of uh, and so on or, or is there a different way that uh, a man who is following the path of sacred manhood should should treat women
1: well the first part you said about the problem if young people are gravitating to certain people who have messages that are un-islamic i don't blame the young people for that i blame the lack of organization and embodiment of that manhood in the lives of those young people from their elders and from the community leaders so i don't i don't place the blame on young men if they look at um you know, the, the former kickboxer who now became Muslim may Allah guide him and guide us all, or the clinical psychologists in Canada, whoever they're following on the so-called yeah. manosphere. Um, I don't blame men for uh gravitating uh towards that. And again, and even everything they say, I don't think it's 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 wrong, right? There are certain things they say uh that have uh some truth to it, but you mix in uh Truth with falsehood, and then how it's delivered, it becomes uh unpalatable. And if uh, and if I can make an analogy that one of the Arafim made before I go to your 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 uh the main question, mm. uh, the uh the Arafim one of the Gnostics said that if you mix if, if a person who is thirsty drinks some water, but there's too much sea water mixed mm-hmm. into fresh water. That drink will make them more thirsty. Yeah. If they drink too much of it, it will kill them. Yeah. So there's a problem with some of these people. that say, oh, well, look like, these people give benefit, Why well, I can't just listen to them. Well, if you don't have the proper filter or filtration system, mm. which most young people don't uh, um, because of lack of, of wisdom and maybe also lack of, of, of knowledge of our tradition, then they drink enough of it, it's going to be toxic for them. So this yeah. is why I say to those that say, well, why can't I watch this person? Mm-hmm. They think things are true. Well, uh Habibi. So, you're not
2: great, the I like the analogy because there is pure water in there, but there's yeah. also the seawater. So, uh, yeah. so the salt. So the analogy is is quite clever, I think.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. in regards to treatment of women, there's mm-hmm. a general principle that Imam Ghazali talked about a virtue with virtuous behavior. And this is that we strive towards what's called the wasat. Or the middle ground or the heart of the matter the middle ground is set by the Quranic paradigm and the spiritual practice and embodiment of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then transmit to us through his spiritual inheritors right this is how we understand and know the middle ground okay now anything that's too far to the right or mm-hmm. too fall to the left is bad and blameworthy. It became an extreme. So it's not just the macaw bill or like doing the opposite. No, when we're mm-hmm. talking about these issues of virtue, it is that we go mm-hmm. to the middle path and we don't go too far to the left, nor too far to the right. Mm-hmm. So when we're dealing with women folk, there are two extremes that people can go to. Less these days, but exists, you have to the far left, you would have a man or a male because he's not a man. That would be a day youth, right? This is a person who has zero ghera, or zero vigilant care or zero protectiveness for women or particularly for a woman. He would look to marry or his wife, zero vigilant care, zero protectiveness. He doesn't care what his woman does and more importantly, what other men do around or with his woman? Mm. This is this is this is an extreme where he will just say nothing, nor would he even step up to defend the honor of women. This is a day youth. Mm. Uh, this is an extreme. Some uh, or, or or overly catering towards what a woman wants to the extent of trying to please her more than pleasing Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala or doing mm. with the sacred law. Or doing away with with any sort of nobility so in america this person would be called also a simp i was just going to say yeah that's (laughs) that's one extreme the other extreme is to the right is a brute is a tyrant who is rough towards women who talks who, who talks about wanting to uh uh control women to put them in their places as if they're mere commodities that don't have souls who don't have feelings and beyond taking leadership, which a man should do uh, with with women and, and, and protecting her, also includes protecting her feelings and being the bigger man. And part of what Fatua teaches us of dealing with people in general, including women, Fatua says that when dealing with women, you are willing to give the women folk all of their rights and that at times you are willing to forego their, your rights as a man to make sure that women have their rights. You prefer women to be comfortable mm-hmm. while you yourself will be uncomfortable and go through struggle to make sure they feel safe and make sure they feel comfortable. Right? That is how the Prophet did Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wa wa with Ummahatul Mu'mineen, with his wives mm-hmm. and with his daughters. And of course. We know uh, all of his daughters passed away before him, except for his daughter Fatima, may Allah be well pleased uh, with her. Um, But this is how he dealt with the women folks. So if we really want to see what a real man is and how a real man deals with women, look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam bar his wives from being able to visit their family or visit their fathers and keep them locked in the house? Of course not. Did he, Ever hit his women? Of course not. Did at times his women or his wives say things back to him? Yes. Did he cuss them out? Mm. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Getting your place, woman. We know stories of Aisha getting his face actually poking him.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing oh, stories.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 he wasn't like, woman. You know who I am? I am Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalli ibn Hashim. <laughs> Say it in No, that, mm. this wasn't his. This wasn't his behavior.
0: Much nice. less.
1: Much less. And I have to also make this point too, because one of one of the people I alluded to, um, and there's also another guy who um, who passed away last year, we're using this term "high value man." So it's important for a man to work and have a livelihood. Though we believe as Muslims that our risk. Our sustenance is written by Allah. There are people who work very hard who still don't get much money. Mm. The one who's rich isn't better or more high value over the one who's poor financially. We know this from the Quran and from the authentic sunnah, right? Um, it's important to work out and to stay in shape. God gave us our bodies as namana, as a sacred trust. As a matter of fact, our bodies don't even belong to us. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are alone, a trust in God. And this is why I say the feminists that say, my body, my choice. That, oh, yes. Your body not even belong to you. It,
2: it, it, I mean, there's incompatibility ultimately of feminism and Islam. It's not over this policy or that, although there might yeah. well be. It's a fundamental metaphysical philosophical disagreement about ownership and sovereignty. Yep. No, we don't own our bodies. They, they belong to God, as is the whole universe. And thus, it behoves us uh, to pay attention to our creator's guidance and instruction not to do that, is to go against the fundamental nature of our being it's not just a question of religion or you know it, it really is a fundamental metaphysical existential issue
1: yes so being in shape and working out this is yeah. good and the prophet was in excellent shape if you ever visit uh, uh um uh, the mountain of light Jabal uh, and you see how high he climbed up you know that you know he had to be in shape Khadija mm-hmm. had to have been in shape too. May Allah be well pleased because she, she used to clap that mountain and bring him food. Oh, so right. So um also wearing nice clothes is mm-hmm. important in <inaudible> Allah Jabilan Jamal. This is an authentic hadith. Surely uh hadith uh, excuse me, say yeah, it's a it's a well-authenticated hadith. Um hadith Hassan, surely God is handsome and he loves handsomeness, mm-hmm. right? So laying to dress there's an occasion behind this thing and yeah it's honorable to dress well as long as one doesn't is not arrogant Mm. they're better than other people because they're dressed so yes driving a nice car no problem having a good living strive to, to to make halal money work out of course dress well yes but that's not what makes a person high value where high value and honor comes in is in the Akramakum, in the Sure, the most honorable, and you can see even the ones that carry the most value and generosity in the eyes of Allah are the ones who have the most God consciousness. The ones who have these inward virtues that manifest themselves outwardly. And that includes to how real men deal with women. Right? So we don't. A, a real Muslim man who's chivalrous, he prefers the women folk over himself. He's comfortable. But, he, but he's not abrogating
2: or giving up his responsibilities in that, though, is he? So it, it, the leadership role and the providing role are still there. They're part of his responsibilities as a, a, a sacred, honorable man. But as you say, he doesn't lord it over, dominate. I mean, this is the, part, the meaning of the word patriarchy is now university revival well, in the West anyway. Because it's associated with brutal autocratic uh, domination of a man or a woman. But but there are other understandings of, of uh, patriarchal uh, um, relationships, uh, which you've explained very eloquently, which are very well balanced. And, and I, I would have to say very beautiful because they are very attractive uh, to uh, everyone, to, to men and women, I would imagine. And boy, what, what an alternative to... The role models currently on offer, uh, whether it be you know, again making lots of money or just treating people badly, and you know, and so on. This is a very honourable, dignified, elevated, and and yet very masculine way of living. And you know, if this was to be more widely known, this surely this would catch on like wildfire. You know, this would become a, a, inshallah, a big movement or, or, um, under your teachership, under your guidance, and others. This would be hugely big because there's nothing else. What else is there? I mean, what can what can approach this remotely to the vision that you're outlining here of sacred manhood and or
1: the <clears> idea <throat> of chivalry, um, indeed. Yeah, and and just going on, this is very true. Um, <clears throat> the real man seeks to fulfill his responsibilities with <clears throat> women folk, but at the same time is willing to pardon the women folk <clears throat> even will give up some of his rights when need be for her comfort and for her safety not just physically but also emotionally now i do believe that people who aren't muslim would um would if we revive this they would follow us because people are looking for solutions even when we look at historically uh the orders of knights Exactly, my race, in, I in the, in
2: the Christian order in Europe, in medieval time, I was going to, to the back of my mind, is the idea of a chivalrous knight uh in the Christian medieval world. But I think even that actually has its origins in Islam, actually. It, it's actually ultimately yes. ultimate <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, it has its origins in oh, wow. copying Muslims. Uh, yeah. I forgot the story that I learned. uh I, I don't know if it was Sir Walter Riley, but we learned about this in America from the history where... Uh, reportedly, whether it's true or not, it still was a good chivalrous story that we learned as young kids. Where oh, I know you're gonna go with this. He, yep. This yeah, he's, he's, he's walking, and it's the Queen of the princess or something is walking. Yeah, it's and it's like queen, Elizabeth, queen Elizabeth. I, queen Elizabeth the first, by the way. that was her. He, he takes off his cape and puts it on his brand new cape. He takes it off yeah. and puts it so that she can walk over, so that she doesn't get her feet wet, or her feet muddy in a
2: puddle or something. In no. a puddle.
1: That's. This that's, is real. It's this happened. is real. That's. Oh that's minute. that's chivalry that's not yeah. simping. that is actually chivalry yeah uh, right and 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 on in a uh the night or we can say the real man Islam is with the Fatah uh the real man it should be willing to give his to give his life to protect his wife mm. You're Talking mm. about you being a man right a real man should be willing in his in his ethar and his altruism that if there's an attack coming to his wife or the women folk, he should gladly try to defend their lives, their honor, and and if he loses his life, he's considered a martyr according to Islam. Yeah, he's yeah, a chivalrous yeah. martyr. So mm-hmm. this is this is part of of, of of our manhood. We're not punks. We're not weak. At the mm-hmm. same time, we're not trying to bully women. And, you know, I also grew up hearing this, that if a man was trying to bully girls or women, we say pick on someone your own size. Like, mm-hmm. why are you trying to bully women for? Like uh, if, if 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 you're a man, a real man, your perfection as a man is not in trying to compete or put women down. No, your, your manliness and your masculinity stands on its own. It's not trying to uh, imitate uh imitate or try to put women in their place. That's not what a real man does. Gosh, I
2: mean, this is such a, a rich and compelling uh, vision uh, for, for uh, young men, or all men, uh, uh, actually. Um, perhaps you might draw, draw it to to a close uh, here. There's so much more, obviously, that you could say, um, and inshallah, maybe on another occasion you, you might do so. But uh, I, I do commend um, your great book on on... Uh, raising males into sacred manhood. Uh, also I'll link it to it in the uh, description below. It's available to
1: purchase now. It's
2: on Amazon. And wh- wh- where else ha- where else can one uh, obtain a copy of your
1: new book? So in the U.K., people can go to IHRC's website, the Islamic Human Rights Commission. That's a location where it can be gotten. In the States, it could be gotten in U.K., I mean, in Canada and other places in the West from Imam Ghazali Institute. Oh, yeah. Go on Imam Ghazali Institute's website and the book can be uh, purchased. Um, let me mention one thing about the institutionalization of the Fatua guilds. Yeah, I right? think cool. this is a practical step people can do in their localities. Uh, the Fatua guilds were institutionalized under the uh, Abbasid Sultan, uh, who gave himself the title, and Nasser al-Din-Allah. So he was a historical contemporary of Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani, and also of Ibn al-Jawzi al hambali This is the time frame. Also, the time frame on which Jerusalem uh, was taken over by the Crusaders. Muslims had lost. Uh, so there was a, a um, there was this idea that Muslims needed uh, a spiritual revival and a need of training up young males uh, to be honorable knights. And that this would help rectify the issue of crusaders who had taken over the land of muslims and were humiliating muslims so these fatua guilds were started and they have five components and these are types of components that we could have in our localities in different uh levels uh there is the first the uh, tarbiyah and the teaching of adab or teaching etiquettes and basic comportment starting yes. with how young males should deal with their elders mm-hmm. then how they deal with others, including how they should deal with womenfolk. The second is of teaching sacred knowledge that the absolute necessities of the religion that a Muslim needs to know, a young Muslim man needs to know, theologically in what's called the the individual obligations according to sacred law is then taught to these young males. The, 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 the third one of these is the sacred physical activities young men were taught how to fight wrestling or we could say martial arts mm. training in archery um uh, mm. these are good physical activities love youthful energy but also helps to teach discipline and also precision
2: yeah, I love, I love, lo- sorry, just briefly. I was at Zaytuna College uh, a week or so ago about the idea of sunnah sports. I wasn't really familiar with <coughs> yes. archery, but also horse riding. Uh, yeah, equestrianism. Uh, 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 these are, you know, these are these are, these are sunnah sports <coughs> that men uh, and, and women <coughs> can, uh, can uh, enjoy, and there are other ones as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the last thing I would end with is that mm. under the uh, government of the Abbasid Sultan, Anasid al-Allah, he organized formal fatwa guilds. And I think that this is a, a model that we can use in our localities of helping organize fraternity and young males having organized ways of becoming more sacred in their masculinity. Mm. So the first is teaching adab or manners. And in our tradition, learning adab comes before learning elm, sacred knowledge. Right. The second is teaching those basic necessities that a Muslim must know to be a proper Muslim regarding creed and also their day-to-day obligations regarding rituals and things called nine. The third is the, Sacred physical activities, Some call these sunnah sports mm. that helps young people keep their physical fitness, but also teaches them discipline and precision. So we have like martial arts or prophetic grappling, archery, mm. equestrianism.
2: Horse riding. Yep.
1: Yeah. Equestrianism, horse riding, swimming as well. Right. These are things that are are, are positive and we know there's Uh, blessing in them because the Prophet encouraged the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them, to teach their youth these things. Yep. Then, Khidma, community service. To serve the community and help break oneself from being selfish because we need to raise young men to be selfless, not Mm -hmm. selfish. And then the last is the skilled artisan. trades of so, so as young men or males to definitely know reading and writing for sure, math for sure. And these things were taught during the time of the of the Abbasids, mm-hmm. but also mm. how to do something with your hands. Mm. And this helps the Ummah and also helps the young man with the trade to be able to maybe make a living. So mm. <clears throat> in those times, being a blacksmith learning how to make swords horseshoes carpentry mm-hmm. we can do similar things today of teaching practical skills to young people using their mm-hmm. hands yeah and it's good <coughs> for young men to learn how to have some ingenuity and do things with their hands so yeah. these are the things that nassserdine instituted and these are the things that we could do to try to institute Fatua guilds on our local level yeah
2: yeah It's uh, interesting. when i was at um zaytuna uh, college uh, a week or so ago as part of the curriculum itself and this this is obligatory uh were some of these uh sports like archery yeah. and uh horseback i was invited to go on horseback i said no for other reasons um mathematics is part of the curriculum of what they call the, the liberal arts <coughs> uh, but there's an attempt to move your uh, not just have the islamic tradition which obviously they do teach uh, These are young people, uh, overwhelmingly, I think, who are on their courses, uh, but to teach the uh, other disciplines and scholarly um, activity and also sports. Uh, and uh, archery uh, was available as well, I think I said. So um, quite a rounded curricula there for um, the young Muslim uh, students. I was very impressed, actually.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's uh, Imam mm. uh, Daud Yassin. I think helps lead up a lot of that Zaytuna College we used to, but very important um, to teach these young men. And also yep. they have camps or opportunities to take young men away from the comfort of their homes so that they can learn a little struggle and be put under a little rigor and a little discipline. Mm. So these also, uh, you know, the guilds, which from my belief, what was in America that used to be called <laughs> Scouts, the, the was what really what the, was called what used to be called the Boy Scouts in America. Oh, the Scouts.
2: Yeah, yeah, the Boy Scouts. Seems, to be, yes. yeah, seems yeah.
1: to be have been copied off of the Fatua Guild type of mm. uh system in, in many aspects. But it's not called the Boy Scouts anymore. They dropped the boy because now anyone can join now, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, so I remember that happens in England as well. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: um, but you know, these are ideas that we have, and um we have um we have an historical road map um and uh if anyone you know wants me to come to their you know community and hopefully i hope to, to try to come to the uk after well, I, I the on.
2: Uh, i'm sure there will be many many young uh young muslims men particularly who would uh not only welcome you here but uh listen to you and learn from you and benefit from you hugely so inshallah yeah. that will happen one day sir
1: inshallah inshallah yeah we can come to the community and mm. do some training uh, with the with some of the older brothers and then uh, try to raise up some youth leadership so that mm. these things could be uh, implemented in whatever area you're in and uh, we've done this to an extent in the city of Detroit in the area that I in, where for the last three years we've been mm-hmm. working steadily uh, on this issue and we've implemented uh Four of the five elements of the traditional Fatwa Guild, we've we've implemented those here.
2: Wow, that, that's extraordinary. Um, it, just lastly, and did you have a, a, a YouTube channel um, that we? Yes, yes. Yeah?
1: People can find me on uh, Hajj Dawood Walid If you go to my YouTube channel, you can uh, go there. Um,
2: I don't Either have they, I, any. I, I, uh, sorry, pardon me. No, I was just saying that um, I, I saw recently. Um, uh, a, a video of yours uh talking about your most recent book about uh, raising males males into a sacred manhood. uh so those who don't get hold of the book at least can hear uh the ideas contained therein uh by your good self um on, on youtube but I think then to uh the youtube channel and to uh your book in the description below so people can do further reading and exploration of your your thoughts
1: wonderful fantastic
2: Good, excellent. Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Sheikh Dawood. Uh, Well, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure uh, to have you on on Blogging Theology. Uh, Inshallah, it won't be the last time, uh, but we'll see what happens. And um, I I, I do uh, wish uh, that the the thoughts that you communicated with us will be taken seriously and will catch fire, uh, so to speak, uh, amongst the Muslim youth um, in the West, uh, particularly where they are sorely needed so um, thank you very much indeed for your time, sir.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Salam
0: alaikum. Waalaikum salam. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.